You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and we have a very good special edition of our show. You know, periodically we focus on worthy Orange County nonprofit organizations. And we've invited Maimuna Hussein Katan, who is the executive director and founder of the TIA Foundation to be our guest today. So Maimuna, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Let's talk a little bit about you and your path to your organization. What was your original motivation to create this organization? Yes, yes. So our mission at the TIA Foundation is to support refugees, immigrants, and displaced indigenous communities. And this work is passionate to me um, because I was born on a refugee camp. In the mid-70s, my parents had fled Ethiopia and they met on a refugee camp in Somalia. That's where they got married. I was born there. And um, I just, I grew up mainly in Orange County after our resettlement process. And um, it's my way of just giving back to the population. How old were you when you when your family moved to Orange County? So my dad was resettled first in 1983 and it took a year for us to reunite with him. So um, by the time we came to the States, my mother and I, I was three and a half years old. Do you have any memory of what it was like before you came to Orange County? No, actually um, at that age, my memories are from photos and storytelling of their experiences Mm -hmm. on the camp. But I firsthand witnessed um, their transition process in the United States. And like many immigrant youth, um, I was the one at home helping my mother learn English at the age of seven. Wow. So what was the motivation then for you to take your time and talents and energy and create the TIA Foundation? It was pretty organic. Um, I would say around 1998, 1999, um, there were East Africans that were being resettled in the Orange County area. And my mother had stepped in as a volunteer. So she was volunteering her services with translation or providing basic necessities. And it wasn't until um, my time in grad school where um, I helped her formalize the organization, um, formalize her volunteer efforts into an organization um, that we named the Tia Foundation. Tia means my love and Afano Romo. And um, my, you know, that's that's a language I grew up with. And I would say two years after we established the org, it triggered her PTSD. So um, she had stepped away and then I stepped up and um, took over as the executive director. So we'll talk more about your organization, but I, I'm just curious, growing up in Orange County at a young age, did you recognize your your situation was different than maybe your friends and peer group? Or was that realization later in life? You know, I was really lucky um, because in Orange County, there were previous refugee communities. Um, so a lot of my friends in the neighborhood were um, from Vietnam. And um, there were stories that the parents would exchange. So I think it just helped me understand that um, even though people don't look like me, 
they had very similar stories. So I think that was my introduction to um, cross-cultural relationships. Is that, um, so let me follow up with that. <clears throat> is the immigrant, is the story common regardless of the, the country that people have come to this to the U.S., to Orange County from? Is that is that a common bonding experience then that it sounds like it was for at least for you and your family? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say bonding um, necessarily, but okay. um, yeah, there, there's a sense of, um, I guess like allyship or understanding one another. Um, there, there's this deep rooted emotion, you know, that happens. And I've witnessed it in my parents where um, a place that you called home um isn't necessarily a place you you want to flee right so it wasn't like you left with um a plan or a purpose in mind it was just it was survival and i think a, what a lot of refugee uh, parents have in common is there's this desire to eventually go back home there's this romanticizing of the home country that when things get better they're gonna buy land and live there so it, it isn't quite like me right now. You know, yes, I, I come back from a refugee background, but my, my parents fled. I, I was born on the camp, but I think it would be different for me if I wanted to, let's say, move to France, right? I would, I would have a plan. There's a desire. I maybe go visit, find employment, what have you, right? But um, if anything were to happen in California and then I just flee, there, there's this... This, this feeling of waiting, waiting to come back home. So um, <clears throat> you grew up seeing how refugees, um, uh, the challenges of becoming a part of the new environment, culture, country that they're living in. And now you're helping uh, very specifically people to do that. What are some of the barriers or challenges that refugees are facing as they relocate I guess specifically here to Orange County, but also other places where you're helping people find homes. Yeah, I think there's cultural nuances that you just you don't know about until you you come to a new country. Um, I, I, an example here in the U.S. is um, we tell people work hard, uh, go to school, have a great resume, but we forget to tell them the importance and the value of networking and building relationships and um, having friends before there's an emergency. So those little nuances are the things that we um, make sure to cultivate in the community that we're serving and let them know, yes, you could send off all the resumes you want, but um, you know we're here to help you kind of alleviate some barriers with the networking process. And um, part of networking actually, right, is having to know the language, understanding, you know, probably like neighborhood orientation, um, having resources to, you know, go outside and buy dinner or buy coffee for a friend. Um, so, yeah, so these are, are little things that we prepare them for. So let's talk specifically about what your foundation is doing for refugees who are relocating here to Orange County. Can you describe the services that you offer and how you help them? Yes, yes. So we have a team. Um, I'm an executive director. My husband, Shukri, is the director of operations. And um, we have Mira, who's in charge of um, career placement. So as I mentioned, uh, we help break those barriers to find jobs. 
So her role is to make sure that um, refugees, particularly women, are able to acquire entry-level positions. And then we have Mahmoud, um, who is our case manager. Um, he was a former client and a refugee from Afghanistan. Um, he had FIV status, that's a special immigration visa, and he was able to translate for the US government. And we're really lucky to have him on the team because he speaks about five languages mm. and um, is able to help families from that region. Um, and then we have Inas, who um, by trade, her background, uh, she's a dentist, but um, she was also a refugee from Iraq. So um, she has stepped in to provide um, event coordinating for the families that we work with. Um, so they have gatherings um, once a month. So if anyone's interested in volunteering, uh, we usually introduce them to our family gathering component. Uh, we call it Tea and Tots, where um, we encourage donors and volunteers in the community to bring diapers. And we have play dates at the park with the moms and the new families. So let's talk a little bit about who is, where the refugees are coming from currently. Who, where, where are you seeing in the world that people are fleeing and ending here in Orange County that you're able to help? Yes, so um, a lot of the families that we work with right now are from the Middle East. Majority are from Afghanistan. And um, I also want to preface that I've been doing the work since 2010. So every two years, you see an influx of a new crisis. So um, it changes the demographic of families we're working with. So um, prior to the Afghan crisis, we were working with families from, um, let's say, Haiti or um, Syria or Somalia, whatever you see on the news, um, we're helping the families after it's not hot news anymore. So um, so last summer was a lot, a lot of our attention went to what was going on in Afghanistan. These are the families that are now resettling in Orange County, living out of motels and trying to find housing and get their bearings. And I would say about six months from now, uh, we're gonna see an influx of families from Ukraine. Um, but overall, the TF Foundation works with about 190 families from 24 different countries. Are they mostly families then? Is that, is that, who, is that because that's who you're focused on helping or is that because that, would, that, that makes up the refugee population? Um, that's the majority. Um, majority of displaced people, um, I would say 50% are children and um, mothers, you know, so the majority is women and children. Um, but there are times where we'll come across um, single individuals, um, maybe from Venezuela or, um, you know, parts of Central or West Africa. Um, so th that does happen. But overall, um, you know, families are fleeing together, you know, grabbing their kids. Mm -hmm. And um, if they have to um, allow the kids to go first for their safety, you know, I know I would do that if if I had to run to the border and I knew my daughter is going to be safer than I am, I, I'm going to let her go. Um, that does happen. So we'll, we'll have unaccompanied minors, but they're introduced to the TIA Foundation um, maybe after they reunite with a family member or after they turn 18. So how do you meet the families that are in need that you can help? 
we are word of mouth. Um, we're, we're really culturally aware of the importance of trust. So um, a lot of the resettlement agencies build relationships with um, apartment owners or, um, you know, apartment managers, for example, because there's no background check, right, when a refugee is being resettled. So through the resettlement agency that's government funded, they help set up the, um, the refugee family. A lot of them live in the same neighborhoods. So um, if we're doing a good job with our services and making sure, you know, the kids have good programming, the mothers feel supported, you know, both parents, maybe one or two are now employed, they're going to refer us to their, their neighbors. And that's what we've been seeing. Um, a lot of refugee populations um, in Orange County, they reside in, I would say, Anaheim, Garden Grove, Westminster, um, parts of Irvine. Um, that happens if they're able to get Section 8 housing, which is takes a process. There's a wait list. So I, uh, I, I've always marveled people from different countries and the ability to speak different languages. You mentioned that one of the people working in your organization can speak, I think you said five languages. And as, as U.S. born uh, and citizens, we tend to speak English. Very rarely can we speak other languages. So it must be challenging for refugees when they come to this country if they don't have strong English background then I would think that's that's a big adjustment that's required on their part yeah exactly and that would I mean I would say that's any new country that you find yourself in um, language is is key you know um, it really helps you build relationships and um, navigate the system so um, we're there to help them with um, ESL, um, we have interns and volunteers that provide one-on-one -on -one tutoring. Um, during the pandemic, a lot of it has been virtual, but not everyone has internet access. So we're, you know, we're working around it to make sure that the parents feel supported. Uh, we also have um, an activity, it's called Coffee and Conversation, where mm -hmm. we invite the refugee moms to come together and practice English as a group. So I was going to ask you about the impact on your organization from COVID-19. What have you had to adjust and what's what's been, you know, the new reality for you? Yeah, I think um, something we understood before the pandemic was, um, you know, access to technology. But during the pandemic, um, that was really heightened. So we were able to maybe collect laptops, but not everyone we give laptops to have Internet. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, maybe they prefer on their phone, you know, using apps and um, like WhatsApp, for example. So, yeah, there, there was just an adjustment of like what what form of communication do they prefer and um, maybe introducing them to different platforms like Zoom, for example, or Google Meets. Um, so that that's been interesting. Um, a lot of the relationship building that we've been doing over the years has been face-to-face. -face. So I, I think that really woke us up. And refugees, um, there were different requirements for um, receiving aid from the government. And a lot of the families that we were supporting um, didn't qualify. So the TF Foundation stepped in and um, 
we don't normally do this, but you know, during the pandemic, we were giving financial assistance to families that were having problems with, you know, um, covering their rent or covering their utility bills. Like we were there to support them with that. Uh, we raised close to a hundred thousand um, dollars mm. and helped over seventy families with financial assistance. Um, we also, during the pandemic, the same week as the stay-at-home orders is when we launched our social enterprise. Mm. Uh, really interesting. Uh, we have a restaurant now in Little Ethiopia, and um, it's called Flavors from Afar, where we employ refugee parents and highlight their menu and cuisine once a month. Um, so that was really interesting. We were preparing for experiential dining and um, opened the same week as the stay-at-home orders as takeout. And I would say um, because of the restrictions in LA County in particular, um, we didn't have indoor dining until maybe six months ago. So th that was a big adjustment. Yes, so I, um, I, I know that you have a fundraising event coming up on April 16th. Yes. And I, and I wonder if you might share a little bit about what, what's going to be happening and who might go and how the money, you know, what are you going to do with the money that you'll raise there? So, yes, exactly. So, um, we, we have a fundraiser. It's held on Saturday, April 16th. Um, it's hosted by our board member, Mukta Mohan. Um, it'll be at a private garden in Pasadena. So anyone who is interested in supporting us, um, you could email me directly. My email address is maymuna at tia.org. Or you can find me on LinkedIn at Maymuna Hussein Katan, so I could provide more information for you. Um, we are fundraising right now to hire a housing specialist. Um, the idea is to, you know, help families um, identify, you know, apartments and and housing quicker, so um, we don't repeat or see what happened again with the Afghan families who are now currently living out of motels um, throughout LA, um, Orange County, Riverside County. I mean, it's just San Bernardino County. It, it's just, it's really sad to um, witness what's going on. So we wanna help um, be part of the solution. And um, the idea is, you know, it would be a perfect rehabilitation process if we could help a refugee family find housing we have our case manager that checks in on them. We have our career placement specialist that helps them find employment. And then there is this um, network and community building uh, portion where they don't feel isolated. So I think once we're able to um, acquire the funding for a housing specialist, I think our, our programs are, are pretty solid. They already are, I would say mm -hmm. solid, but housing is something that has to be addressed. Do you have a sense for how many families you've been able to help over the years? Oh, I would say uh, we have about 2,000 families in our network since 2010. 2,000. And um, are they, do you develop long-term? You talked about trust earlier, and I think that's really a powerful concept. And do once you help the refugees' families, do they sort of stay connected to the TIA Foundation then? Yeah, they do, actually. Um, I have noticed... Um, a lot of the families that we worked with that I guess, you know, you'd say graduated and have moved on um, have become donors in different capacities mm -hmm. or they've joined our board or, um, you know, we've worked together on developing like their um, business endeavors. You know, for example, we have 
a woman we worked with since 2011. Uh, she's a single mom from Somalia with six children. Um, her name's Malia. And um, she was part of our culinary program and was there when we launched Flavors from Afar's restaurant. And now we helped her open up her own restaurant in Minnesota. Mm. So um, these, are, these are great things to witness and being part of people's success journeys. So tell us again, if someone would like to become involved and support your foundation, how would they do that? Yes, um, you can visit our website, um, tia.org, T-I-Y-Y-A dot O-R-G, uh, to learn more. And if you scroll down to the very bottom of the website, there's ways that you could give back because there's many ways um, to partner with us. And um, one of the options is to volunteer. So we are looking for volunteers and interns right now. Mm. Uh, there is a high influx of refugees, and we're going to see more. Um, when I started the work 2010, there was less than 40 million people displaced. And now we have over 85 million people that are displaced. So I, I think it's just going to continue to grow, um, especially when you factor in things like climate change. So um, it would be nice for a community of support within Orange County and L.A. to make sure that um, programming is available. Community members are there to show that you know, they care and they're, they're welcoming of our new neighbors. Um, yeah. Or if you don't have the time to volunteer, just stop by the restaurant and, you know, or hire us for catering. All the money and, goes back to supporting programming. And, and where is Flavors from Afar located? Yes, we're at 1046 South Fairfax in Los Angeles and our um, catering radius is um, from LA to San Clemente. Oh, perfect. So people here in Orange County, definitely. That sounds like a, a great idea. So I want to thank you for giving of your time, Maimona, and being a friend and a part of the Orange County community and helping so many people with the kind of fine work that your foundation is doing. Thank you. Thank you. And please, again, keep us in mind um, as you see an influx of Ukrainian refugees that'll be here in the next um, five to six months. We would love to be prepared. Thank you. And you've been listening to Orange County's longest running business talk show. Maymuna's episode was episode number 1,355. If you're an Orange County nonprofit and you would like to tell your story here on our show, then connect with us. I'm Rick Franzi. That's also my website, rickfranzi.com. Reach out to us and Haley, our producer, will help to schedule you as we've done with Maymuna. And until the next time we all have a chance to be together, I hope all of your decisions will move your organization in a positive direction. Mm -hmm.